Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply and control in those situations. Um, I do wonder, though, defensively how they're going to keep a team like Sacramento when they start to get things rolling, if shots begin to fall, how they kind of put a pin in those sort of runs. So I, I think I would remain more optimistic at this point, also because I think that in a situation like last night, J.D., even though the Warriors you know, were, were kind of playing a bit of an up-and-down game and had control of it for the most part, I always felt calm because... They had number 30, and Stephen Curry had it going. And when he has it going, and when he's shooting the lights out, and when he's, you know, 14 of 19 from the floor, 7 of 10 from three point range, it gives you the feeling that the Warriors are going to win the basketball game. And I think that that's some advantage that they'll have over just about every single team outside of a few. But I, I think that Sacramento was a good test for them early on because one major theme about this team and this season is. Well, they're a little bit older. They're probably going to be a little bit slower. So how do they match up against teams that can push the pace? And, of course, the big quote last year in the postseason from Malik Monk about how we want to speed them up, we want to run these old guys into the ground a little bit, I think they showed that they can stand up to that kind of speed and action. And especially when Steph is shooting the lights out, you have your closer. And so, to me, there's going to be a lot of these kind of games, a lot of the games that we've seen the first two of which they're going to be tight, they're going to have an opportunity to close. Um, and, and I trust the Warriors at this point to get it done more so than I don't. Well, and the Warriors themselves really believed, and and, and I, I filed it away. I, I take them at their word after the Suns game that they were pretty happy with their performance other than the shooting, right? And and yeah. I guess the rebounding as well. The, the Suns hit them on the boards for, for some key second chance points and, and controlled the glass in that game. But... The Warriors said, hey, you know, like the way we played, had some good shots, didn't hit them on this night, and it wound up adding up to a loss. I'm inclined to take them at their word coming off of that game, but the way I also extended it forward is, you know, this cannot be a team this season that's talking about how they're going to get it together. How, how, yeah, and, and Steve Kerr said this, and look, I, I get it. They are going to be a better team two, three weeks from now and a month from now and all that, in, in theory. 
But there's also going to be, with an older team, more injuries that pop up here and there. And so my, my overarching point is th- this team's going to have to win when they're whole or close to whole and, and when they play well. And so it's nice that you thought you play well and the shots didn't fall against the Suns, but you lost. Yeah. And so to me, and you know, Steve Kerr postgame kind of downplayed the, the importance of getting a road win uh, based on what happened last year. He really... Really, really didn't like. He's like, ah, last year. Like he, he, he. There was a disdain in his voice when he was asked about about last. Almost like he didn't even want to like. Like you guys have no idea. This is nothing like last year uh, in in terms of this team. And so, but I thought it was significant that they got a road win uh, last night in a tough environment in a team that you knew was going to be you know, revved up and ready to go and really wanting to beat them off of the, the playoff series and the budding rivalry between the two. So I, I really think when you look at it, uh, I thought last night was significant. Uh, and, you know, to, to get a win, because you can only talk about what you're going to be and how good you are and, and how things are all going to click. This team's going to win. Like, I, this team can't be 5-8 and eight and figuring it out and, you know, when this happens and that happens. Like, no, uh-uh. That was exactly how they got in the position they were in last year where they were playing catch-up the whole year. That, to me, can't happen. So I thought last night was actually a huge win because they won in the first game on the road when it took them until their ninth game last year to win on the road in Houston. And now they're going back to Houston, who's 0-2 and looks awful. And maybe now you're 2-1, and and you're starting to build some positive momentum in what I do think is going to be a more difficult Western Conference this year. I, I think it, this isn't going to be 48 wins gets you the three seed, I, I think, this year. Like, you're going to have to be really good and steady throughout the course of the year. And I, I feel like last night for the Warriors, getting the win in the fashion that they did, I really think it was it was, it was was significant uh, more, than, more than Steve Kerr let on. Yeah, I'm 100% with you, J.D., and I think that's interesting that Kerr mentioned or had that sort of tone after the game for a couple of reasons. One, I do think that the Warriors in that specific environment with the Kings, it, it, it was a test in of itself because it, I don't know how much you make of the rivalry, but there certainly is a familiarity with those two teams. Of course, going back to the postseason, but even in the preseason with how often they played each other. So you're getting a team that knows exactly what you want to do, that wants to beat you, that wants to pick up a W on their home floor, I think there was a little bit of extra juice in the building last night from what I could tell, and the Warriors were able to weather that storm. I think that's significant. And I also think, too, because Steve Kerr has hinted multiple times at they're going to have to take time to find their rotations. And I don't know if he's talking perhaps about you know the, the closing lineup, the starting lineup, but everything is going to change when Draymond Green comes back and there's going to be a feeling out period. So you, to your point, J.D., can't afford to have that feeling out period align with a 500 or sub 500 start like it happened last season because then you're playing catch up the whole year and you might run into an injury here and there you might run into a back-to-back here and there in which you're going to have to you know down down play kind of rest some guys like you need to at this point in the season I believe stack as many wins as possible to give yourself that cushion for a little bit later in the season to where you're going to run into some ups and downs so it's interesting to hear him sort of downplay that when I do think he understands how important it is this time of the year, especially when he does feel like it's a different team from last year. Maybe not all the pieces, but it's a different feeling, it's a different approach, and it's a different theme. So 
I, I'm with you. I do think last night was an important victory. Not only, of course, the way they, they got it done, but just the, the victory in and of itself, I think, was big for the Warriors. Significant. And, and now you go to Houston and you try to get to 2-1 and, and and you see where you're at. I mean, this team's got a lot of road games coming up. They, they play New Orleans and they play the Kings at home and they're right back out on the road. And, you know, that to me sets the tone after you lose the opener to the Suns for, for some potential problems. So I, no, I, I thought last night was significant. I, I thought they got off to a really good start last night, which was promising. The bench was – I'm not sure about the, the group that played there into the first quarter, beginning of the, the second quarter. Uh, the, the Chris Paul, Moses Moody – GP2, Jonathan Kaminga, Dario Saric lineup, I think at times when those five are out there together, how are you going to score, especially against another team that that has a, a deep bench with scorers like yeah. the Kings do? And so I wasn't surprised that that group didn't play well together and struggled to score, and the Kings were able to flip and take control of the game there for about a quarter before Steph restored order and the starters basically got him back into the game going into halftime with the three-point lead and then they take it over in the third Kerr as he often does if a group doesn't play well in the first half he'll tweak it a little bit in the second half and, and he did that he put Clay Thompson in for Gary Payton the second with that group he put Trace Jackson Davis in for Dario Saric in in that uh same shift that didn't work out for the Warriors in the first half and the second half and Trace Jackson Davis played very well in, in, in his five minutes, uh, helping the Warriors push the lead up, uh, go into the fourth quarter. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I, you also got to give I, – I shouted out Jonathan Kaminga last night on Warriors wrap-up because he was awful again in, the first, in that first shift. He was really freaking good after that the rest of the night. He flipped, and you don't see this a lot, Evan – he flipped a minus 14 into a plus 9 for the game. Mm. So he was a minus 14 in his first shift, and then he was plus 23 for the remainder of the night that he was on the floor. And, you know, so often when Kaminga gets off to a bad start, that's just the night for him. Yeah. And, and so for him to be able to make a positive impact, Moses Moody's made a positive impact in these first two games. I, I think those are bright spots that come from, I think, concerns for, for this Warriors team. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's also been kind of a theme honing in on Kaminga specifically. In the first game against Phoenix, he also did not have a very good first half. He picked up those three early fouls, kind of got buried on the bench, and that's a that's a, a point where last year, to your point, J.D., we probably don't see him for the rest of the game. Now, game one was a little bit different, I think, because of Andrew Wiggins' inability to give you something Kaminga was forced back in and, and to his credit, took full reign in the moment. But against Sacramento, we saw him, and this is where I do think the third-year leap is not maybe going to come always in the statistics, uh, except for perhaps plus-minus like you mentioned. But but I, I do think there is a little bit of a mental shift to where Kaminga knows that he is on a shorter leash than others, but he does have a chance to play himself into more minutes if he gets a second crack. And I think Steve Kerr is more likely to give him that reign because, number one, I think he has to, just based on you know the amount of options right now, um, specifically at the four spot. But for Jonathan Kaminga to flip the night that he did from bad to good and potentially even great in the second half, I think also aligned with what the rest of the Warriors were doing from that first quarter into the midway through the second, then, of course, the big third quarter 
um, that they used to kind of you know create the cushion they did. So uh, to me, I, I saw a lot of growth and have seen a lot of growth from Jonathan Kaminga as well as Moses Moody, which is a good sign because we saw it in the preseason, but I, I, there was still some trepidation on my part, J.D., as to whether that was going to carry over to the regular season. And so far, we have seen that third-year leap, I think. Yeah, it, it, it's carried over in a different way, I think, to this point. Like, I, I never thought the 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 high volume scoring and and all of that was like to me the third year leap isn't so much he's going to turn into a, looking like one of the most improved players in the league necessarily to me the third year leap was well he's going to make himself playable r- with regularity and and not have a, a a bad beginning to a game and not hurt turn you. into a si- yeah yeah turn into a situation where his nights just cooked and and he can't help you at all so I I think. And, and to be honest, the ladder for this team is more important. Like the 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 ceiling for Jonathan Kaminga, and I've said this a lot that he'll get there eventually. This year isn't about the ceiling and the untapped potential or any of that. It's just a matter of can he function doing the little things that the Warriors want him to do to be able to complement the rest of the veteran players on this team to help them win a game. So to me, that's the most important thing, and, and he's been able to, to do that. The, the scoring nights and all that is going to come. And, and look, I'll, I'll give the Warriors credit because this is something that I pointed out on Kaminga, and I do think there's a little risk in this, but the Warriors are doing it. It, it seems to me, and I'm fascinated to see if this ends up getting reported on and, or, or what the exact dynamics are, but it seems to me that the Warriors have almost made a pact with Kaminga, like, hey, you do the things that, that we want you to do, and we're going to let you get the ball out at the top of the key a little bit more and try to drive and, and pull up or drive and get to the basket because they are offensively using him differently and I think using him more in ways that he wants to be used yeah. than they did last year where it was stand in the corner, dunker. Like, like they're, they're really trying to put him in positions where he can get the ball and go to work, which I think can be a little risky, but that's clearly – over, I think, the first two years of his career, the player that he thinks he should be and can develop more into. And it seems like there's almost an, a, a mutual agreement of, hey, you do what we want, and we're going to let you try to do some of the things that you want, and we'll live with the mistakes, and, and we'll give you some opportunities as long as the hustle and the intensity and the focus and the coachability is there. Yeah, I like that. A season for compromise with with Jonathan Kaminga because if you're seeing the rebounding totals and you know picking up a, a loose ball here, staying in front of a guy, maybe things that don't always factor into the box score, those type of things are what have, in my mind, J.D., prevented him from getting more minutes or, or getting an opportunity to where Kerr goes back to him and he sticks with him for an extended period of time like he has in the first two games so far this season. So for Kaminga, I also think that with this Warriors team and not having, you know, Jordan Poole specifically last season now into this season, there is a little bit of a void for isolation scoring. And last night Wiggins was was solid, you know, was was much better than he was in game 1. Um but outside of Curry, I just don't know who else on this team can go and get you a basket when you need it and I do think the Warriors need some of that and Kaminga can provide it. But to your point, there needs to also be the effort, the on-ball defense, the, the the kind of non-aloof plays that I think hurt Kaminga and, and the Warriors really last season. 
So, so far, it's you know still two games, somewhat of a small sample size, but I think we're seeing less of those deer-in-a-headlight moments from him, and he's being rewarded with then the chance to do his thing on the outside, and I think the Warriors will need that throughout this season. Well, and, and you, you touched on something that, that I wrote down as, as my number one concern to this point in the season for the Warriors, and it's the fact that you know Steph is the lead dog and still playing at a, at a superstar, you know, all-time great level. The concern that I have when I look at the rest, do the Warriors have a number two? And it and it really – because Clay Thompson and, and, and a lot of Warrior fans are saying, well, J.D., what the hell are you talking about? Do they have a number two? Well, Clay Thompson historically has been the number two, or Kevin Durant, and you know Clay would be the two on a given night. Like they, the Warriors had plenty of guys that were capable yeah. of stepping in and being the two uh, on a given night. Now it almost has to be Clay Thompson or Andrew Wiggins, and I think there's going to be a lot of nights this year where Steph is doing his thing, and either Wiggins or Clay Thompson, one of them is going to have to be the bona fide number two on that night. And I, I just feel like the Warriors are more by committee now than meets the eye for some of the name talent that they have on the roster when it comes to who that secondary score is going to be. And I do think that makes you a little bit more vulnerable on a night-in, night-out basis because you really don't know, are you going to get solid, steady Clay Thompson, 18 points on 12 shots like you got last night, playing smart basketball and, and moving the rock and – and not taking horrible shots, or are you going to get the Clay Thompson from the beginning and the end of opening night where he was awful and, and couldn't make a shot and wasn't going to stop shooting it, and, and the Andrew Wiggins who floated in, in, that, in that first game, and, and really, he didn't even float. He really he was a sleepwalker more <laughs> yeah. than a floater, yeah. I, I think, in, in game one. But it makes you vulnerable uh, because even if Steph's doing his thing, Where's the other scoring coming from? And that's independent of can you get 12 from Kaminga and 8 from Moody and 6 from Saric and, and, and all the rest of that, 15 from Chris Paul here and there. It's who's the other guy that's going to get you 20 or who are the, the, the two or three guys that are going to get you 18 consistently. And I think that's something that even on a night like last night where Steph goes off and the Warriors did find enough balance from three or four other players – if you know if clay if that's a bad game clay the warriors may get beat at the end of that game yeah no i i i agree wholeheartedly i think clay thompson and and look the answer to to the question about which clay you're going to get it's probably both you know you're going to have a game like phoenix and you're going to have a game like sacramento now you would love for the consistency to be there more so in the 12 to 15 shot efficient not trying to overdo it, you know, 15 to 20 point range for Clay Thompson like he was last night. I thought there was a little more passivity from Clay, certainly more than game one. And maybe that was a result of the performance in game one. He had to tone it back a little bit, but he's going to be up and down. I think that that's just who he is at this point in his career. The question is, how can you combat that or overcome that with a secondary or even tertiary option? And that's where I think Kaminga, along with Wiggins, can fit in because. I don't think Andrew Wiggins is an alpha. You know, He's not a guy that's just going to take over games or is going to try to take over games at all times. He might have his moments. He might get aggressive, and the Warriors can use that. But it is going to be more of a, a committee type of feel this season, maybe even more so than last year. And so if Steph is not having his 40-point games, 
which is, is certainly not out of the question because I think he's still at that level. But the Warriors are going to need to find a little more help offensively to be able to create some easy baskets, to create chances for second-chance points, and even to get to the free-throw line. And I think that's where Kaminga can find his sweet spot on a night where Wiggins might not be as aggressive, on a night where Klay Thompson isn't looking for his shot as aggressively as he was. And that's where kind of the, I think he can fit in. And in those 26 minutes, like, I mean, 11 shots isn't that much, but I thought that Kaminga was taking better shots and giving the Warriors better chances to score while also, of course, playing defense and trying to add a little bit in the rebounding. All right, he's Evan Giddings. I'm John Dickinson. We're off and rolling. It's Warriors this week, 888-957-9570, our tip-off edition for the 2023-24 season. We'll get to some text messages as well, Comcast Business text line. It's all straight ahead. We're going to be with you until noon here and three hours each and every Saturday. Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Wiggins spins on the far side, guarded by Sabonis. Curry will screen. Now Wiggins drives, comes all the way, throws it out to Curry. Quick release. Splash! Curry had three. That's a huge bucket. 120 to 112, 40 seconds to go. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, that was the bucket the Warriors had to have in a moment where they looked to be at their most vulnerable uh, last night in Sacramento after building an 18-point lead. It was down to five in a blink. And then Stephen Curry... Uh, able to send the Sacramento fans home disappointed one more time, uh, almost six months to the day of Game 7. And the 50-piece, 
back at April 30th. Steph goes for 41, but he was stuck on 34 there mid-third quarter, and I was looking up at the scoreboard thinking, are we going to see another 50? Because it was kind of hanging there uh, for when he was going to come back in the game to close things out. Uh, didn't quite get there, didn't quite need him to get there, and the Kings also started trying to really take the ball out of his hands at, at that point, which which did cause some problems. The the Warriors did handle the trap well on that particular play where they were able to get it back to Steph for the three, but the trapping did cause some problems, and the fourth-quarter turnovers were, were part of that in, in the reasoning why the Kings were able to get back in the game. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, it's it's always funny. Right when, especially the last, I don't know, a year plus now, whenever the Warriors have felt like they've maintained a, a control, specifically in the fourth quarter, uh, they they seem to get a little bit lackadaisical with the basketball. And I know that's been kind of a, a consistent theme. You know, they, they make the most passes, or have made the most passes throughout the league, and so the turnovers are naturally going to come. But when you bring in a guy like Chris Paul, those are the kind of situations. And to his credit, I think he did try and assert himself down the stretch of that basketball game to try and make sure that the turnovers didn't become contagious. But, you know, three in a row down the stretch there, which pretty much led to a, you know, a 9-0 run for Sacramento, and then you're just looking for somebody to make a play. And that's where number 30 is the ultimate ace in the hole because you always have a chance when Stephen Curry's on the floor to do something special to bail you out of a of, of a possession or in this in this case JD potentially bail you out of you know a late game collapse and, and that's where he can do so many different things with the ball in his hands demand so much attention um, and I think for Sacramento and their and their fans you know that that just had to feel like. I don't know, just going through the same thing he did last year. It, it, it well, just it felt like almost you know kind of probably PTSD for a lot of the fans. Yeah, the, the feeling of the building and you you can sense it and you know I mean they knew it was coming. Like once he got rolling, I think they they there was a here we go again like like vibe to it as you know our, our team can hang with their team. But not that dude. And if that dude's going to play like that, there's no way we're winning tonight. And and I, I think once he started going off in the third quarter, it was eerily similar to, to last year in, in Game 7. And there was that that collective groan. Because, look, I, I think the Kings and their fans, you know, I, I think they think they're better than the Warriors. I, I think they thought they were better than the Warriors last year, didn't win the series. I think they think, hey, another year this team's even older – the Sacramento's added some some depth depth pieces, and you know they're they're talking Western Conference contenders in in, in Sacramento. Now you know maybe that's just you want to set the the standard high. Maybe it's a little bit inflated. You know, let's win a first round series, yeah. but before you start talking about being a, a contender. But regardless. It, it it was a gut punch, and, and I think Steph senses it. Like, I think Steph senses the energy in the building and, and feeds off of the energy in the building. I've, I've just seen it so many times from, you know, L.A. against the Clippers back when it was Lob City to, you know, Houston in the playoff series where he's going up against Harden and, and Chris Paul to Cleveland and, and Boston in NBA final series where – the atmosphere is electric. Oklahoma City was as electric an atmosphere, I think, as there is in the NBA when the Thunder were good with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook 
there toward the end before Durant came to the Warriors. And and he had some of his biggest moments in that building, including the the double bang, you know, pull up to, to win that, that game in, in 2016. So I think he feels the energy from the great crowds and loves to be able to rip the heart out of, of opposing fans. And, and I think he's sort of found the sweet spot now in, in Sacramento and they kind of see it coming. And, and he knows, I mean, I even thought about the preseason game last night Yeah, and, and yeah, you know, completely point. meaningless, but Steph starts going off in this preseason game where the Kings are, you know, whatever the Kings are handling them. And, and, and then the Warriors decide they're going to play it out and Steph starts going off at the end of this preseason game and, and, and puts him to bed. I mean, it's the kind of thing that, to me, if these two keep, teams keep keep matching up against each other and we're going to see it again on Wednesday, it's the kind of thing where you start to wonder, you know, are, are the Warriors getting maybe in their head a little bit? Not not in that they're dramatically better, but how they're winning, uh, you know, with, with Steph doing what he's doing. It's hard to not feel like whether you are rooting for the Warriors or the Kings that there isn't some sort of psychological advantage, particularly for number thirty in those waning moments. I mean, I can remember it was at home, it was at Chase Center, but last year, early in the season, I think early November, Curry had a near fifty point game against the Kings in which he dragged them back in the fourth quarter, had a close to twenty points, and it was that type of inevitable feeling that it it just. It's hard to it's hard to get out of the back of your mind when when Stephen Curry gets going and has done it more often than not against Sacramento in particular. It's 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 just a feeling of oh well you know just pray to God that he misses this shot. Try and make it tough because when he starts to feel a little bit of you know it, like the rim just widens and it's like he's thrown a golf ball into an ocean and that's that's the type of shot making that we become accustomed to and now against these kings it's like as much as Stephen Curry is the quintessential nice guy and he's you know a family man he's a great individual he's easy to deal with off the court he can become an absolute killer and i think whether it's at home or last night on the road he loves dragging the hearts out of not just his opponents, but the people around him. And, and so I think you're you're absolutely right. The energy was infectious in the wrong way that once the crowd began to, I don't know, you know, liven a little bit, he felt like he needed to step on that pulse and did it primarily in, you know, in, in the third quarter. But down the stretch of that game, when Wiggins kicks it out, there was a sense of, oh, well, this one's going in. And it did, and and that was the dagger for that basketball game, and one that they absolutely well they didn't have to have, but you felt like with the way that it was slipping away, it would have been one of those damn we oh, should have had that basketball. Yeah. That would have been a terrible loss last night. If you lose that game up fifteen with five minutes to go, the the way I mean, and again, it never really got to the point where I mean, it was a two possession game, it wasn't a one possession game. I, I thought they were probably fine up five with a minute to go, but. Again, this is kind of what the Kings, at least last year, had been their M.O. in, in a lot of games. Like, they would look dead in the water, and then all of a sudden, Tieran Fox has got 16 straight points. And, yeah. and you know, the, it, it's a one-possession game, and if you turn it over or miss a shot or take a bad shot, you're, you're in big trouble. So, you know, Steph helped avoid that last night for for the Warriors and, and, and I also think the Warriors last season there were a couple of games in which they did collapse down the stretch early in fourth quarter oh yeah no Orlando they blew a big lead in, in that I mean it was part of the 0-8 Minnesota Utah there's multiple examples of which the games that they should have won got away from them so no I'm with you 
And and that's all the more reason why I disagreed with Coach Kerr last night and, and thought that the, the win was significant. Just to I, I think last night was almost forget the forget about the Sacramento stuff because we, we've seen those two teams play and, and, and we know they battle each other and, and the Warriors I think have a little bit of an experience edge right now in the in the head to head that comes from being able to come back in that series, win game seven. Like there there's a poise to the Warriors that they know no matter what Sacramento's doing to them that they can get back in the game and and I think they know it and the Kings know it set that aside I thought last night was important just based on just based on from the road standpoint the Warriors saying this isn't going to be like last year and and I get it Steve Kerr didn't want to talk or think or address last year but and he was almost disgusted when he was asked about it in that tone. But it, like, Sorry, they Steve, needed to yeah. sh- they needed to show it. They needed to show that they weren't going to blow a fifteen point lead on the road, and and now be zero and two, and and ha- you know. So I, I look. I, I thought it was significant as far as Steph goes. Interesting note on him: forty one against the Kings, thirty third time in his career, he's had forty. Since he turned 30, mm. so Steph now 35, going to be 36 in March. It was the 33rd time he scored 40 or more since he turned 30, which is number two all time to MJ. Whew. So, I mean, it can't, you know, so the, the great of Steph last night is he shows you he's still got it. I think if there is a negative, even though there were a lot of collective positive performances that we laid out in the first segment we'll continue to get into if there is a little bit of a negative it's almost hey he's had to be he had to be that great for the Warriors to ultimately eke one out although again I I felt like they were in control last night I I don't feel like it last night doesn't go in the category of close win for me They, they won by eight they were up by 18 yes it got down to five I don't put that in the Warriors won a close game category yeah, no, I I think I think you're right there. I, I think that this game was only in question because of the tidal wave that was the Kings last season down the stretch, and and I think a little bit of some of the hesitancy from the Warriors and not being able to take care of the basketball, and, and that was that is sometimes who they can become. Um, but but I think and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm just wrong for this, Jay. You can you can check me, but it's almost like I have come to expect this from. You know, a, a Stephen Curry who is, you know, 35 going on 36. And I know, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, ESPN's Jay Williams was kind of throwing out the fact of, well, the oldest finals MVP was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he was age 36. And I think the oldest regular season MVP in recent memory has been no older than 28 or 29. But the fact that Curry's continued to play at this level has almost made me numb to the number that is assigned to him, which is his age. Like, I've seen age show from Clay. We've seen age show from Draymond. But Stephen Curry is is entering that LeBron category to where it's just a number. It doesn't seem to affect his production on a night-in and night-out basis. We're going to see it as far as games played throughout the year. You know, I don't. he's not going to play all 82. He might not get to 70. So that's something where age may factor in throughout the totality of a season. But when he's on the floor, you expect those kind of moments. And, and for him to come off of a tough shooting performance against Phoenix, 
I expected him to bounce back. And not that you can expect a 40-burger on every single night, but it's almost like uh, maybe it was the the energy and the environment at, at Golden 1. Maybe it was just a, a natural kind of resurgence from, from Curry. But at this point in his career, even though he is almost 36 years old, I have come to expect these kind of performances, and I think the Warriors have too, and they've certainly needed it, to your point, having not maybe a second or even third consistently other offensive option to go beside well, him. And and one of the things you, you start to look at this entire season is, well, what happens if he has to miss games? Yeah. It, which and, and, and that's where as much as I think the Warriors are comfortable with the decision they made to move off of Jordan Poole, how, how does this team function if they don't have Steph Curry? Because at times, it looks like they might not have enough offense with Steph Curry, number one, but it also looks like they may not have enough offense with Steph Curry going off, number two, which is another level of, uh-oh. Yeah, no, I mean, like, if the Warriors can find a consistent set of rotating characters. And this is where I do think Kaminga, and we haven't mentioned him a whole lot, but also Moses Moody becomes so important for this team. If those are dependable options that can give you, on a a given night where you have your full cast, 20 to 25 good minutes, well then I feel comfortable if a Curry or a Clay or obviously a Draymond who's not there and may return during this road trip, who's to say if it's going to be Sunday, probably sometime next week, but if those guys are out, they will need players to step up in their place. And that's where I do think, even though he he didn't play consistently well throughout the season, I was wondering how much they would miss Jordan Poole's ability to kind of fluctuate roles to play all 82 games. They don't have a whole lot of guys outside of Kaminga and Moody that I think can rise to the occasion of playing more minutes and being out there on the floor each and every night and remaining healthy and productive. So if Curry has to miss games, you are going to need to see games like for Moody and Kaminga. Last night, 47 minutes combined, they're a plus 20. And we were talking about in the first segment how Kaminga flipped the script on his game particularly. I think those guys are going to be extremely important for the Warriors if they want to kind of hold off some of the inevitable games, which comes with having an aging roster. And I would throw Chris Paul in that category as well. He's in year 19. He's the oldest guy that's playing. I think he had played 34 minutes against Phoenix 30 last night like those guys are eventually going to miss games and you're going to need players that are younger to fill those roles and do it well yeah I mean Chris Paul has just I think he's been tremendous in terms of control and I hadn't made a three yet in either game which you know at some point he's going to have to do that oh sure. six and oh of two but you know, just to keep the defense honest, but I think as far as just controlling game and and playing with the other stars, I think that that to me has worked out to this point. I I don't think that you know maybe a little vulnerable defensively at times against the Suns. I didn't think they were really vulnerable last night, which kind of surprised me. I, I I thought the Kings had the ability to to maybe make the Warriors look a little bit old. They really didn't. I mean, the only point in the game where the Kings really were in control was that that bench, you know, time in the first half. Yeah, they got it rolling down the stretch, but again, I think that was more the game kind of turned into mop up, and then the Kings were like, "No, we're still playing," and and then all of a sudden you look up and it's a close game. So I I, I was really pleasantly surprised with the fact that 
the Warriors with their main guys out there didn't look old. And maybe that's just some of the comfort ability that comes through with the matchup and, you know, the, those two teams facing off against each other, what, 15 in the last 20 games, it seems like, or, or, <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Going back to, to last year at the end of the year and the playoff series and the preseason games and and all of that. So, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, sometimes it's great. And the overarching theme is it looks like Steph has still got it. Like that box is checked because you start to go through the vision for the Warriors of what they want this team to be. Steph's got it. Steph is, you know, he's still got the ability to be that player that he has been. But when you start going up and down the list, you know, I think that's where the question marks still come in. And, and we're not going to know the answer through, through two games. I think last night was better than the first night. But we're going to have to see how it all shakes out against some of these other opponents coming up with a, with a lot of road games. Can Clay be a more consistent version of what he was last year? Can Wiggins be two years ago as opposed to last year, mm-hmm. opening night, Minnesota Wigs? You know, can Chris Paul hold up uh, over the course of a, of a long haul plus the playoffs and then all the role players that we've, that we've been able to get into in the, in the first hour of the show here as well? Yeah, I, th- I think there's still some broad questions. I'm, I'm sure over the next you know, couple of hours until noon, we'll, we'll certainly dig into them, uh, specifically with Clay and Wiggins. But to kind of piggyback off your first point about Chris Paul, he was probably the biggest question mark entering this season. And for those that maybe haven't followed you know, the preseason as, as closely as, as you, J.D., for everyone to see for the first two times Chris Paul in regular season action, I have to imagine those, those questions and concerns are pretty much quelled. And the question now is just how healthy will he remain throughout a season? But he's fit in pretty seamlessly. And I think the absence of Draymond has helped that because Draymond is a more ball-dominant player offensively. And he's going to be initiating a lot of stuff when he comes back. But for him not to be there has allowed Chris Paul to play the way that he's accustomed to playing, also merging into the pace of play with the Warriors. And I do want to kind of get your thoughts on this. Do you think that the lack of shooting or the lack of being able to make a three so far in two games is because Paul isn't necessarily used to playing the up-and-down, pull-up-three transition type of game? And and he's had some set shots. It's not as if you know everything he's taken has been in transition. But do you think that that aspect of what the Warriors do has affected the three-point shot, and he's just kind of getting used to it at this point. Yeah, I, I, I just think he's, I think he's had some good looks, and he's just missed them to this point. Like, I, I think he's, he's fit fine. I'm not sure you know, if the pace has made him more fatigued or anything like that. I mean, time will tell. But I, I just think as, as he has aged, I, I've noticed it just from watching him even, even last year and, and at the end of the season two years ago. You know, his shot is not quite what it was. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, the three-point shot and even the mid-range shot. And, you know, he's he's been steady. He was pretty steady with the with the mid-range last night. But, it you know, it, it, it rims in and out a little bit more now, I think, in last year than it, than it used to. So I, I, I think that's just the natural aging process probably more than anything. But, but I also think, that his ability to knock down those shots, assuming he can do it, really provides a, an added mid-ground dynamic to the Warriors' offense that that just hasn't been there the, these last you know few years. Yeah, and again, I, I do think that, look, I've also been 
impressed with Chris Paul's ability to kind of bounce because I, I think defensively there was a little concern of, all right, how good could he be on ball or specifically at the point of attack? I, I think he's done a pretty good job at being able to body bigger guards. I mean, no one's going to keep De'Aaron Fox in front of them for long. Uh, he was absolutely sensational in the fourth quarter of that basketball game last night. But I think defensively, he's looked better than I expected. The shooting, I think, is going to come. But what he's provided so far is just a stability when he has the rock that even with Curry sometimes, I wonder how loose he is with the basketball. And we saw it with a couple of fourth-quarter turnovers. When when the Kings started to press, when they started to trap, when they start to do what they did all of last season down the stretch of fourth quarters, I think that the Warriors got a little revved up, they got a little quick, and they got loose with the basketball. Chris Paul, the, the 12 assists and you know three turnovers last night, I think, to me, that, that type of assist-to-turnover ratio is something that has been missing in Golden State for a long time, and to have a particular player that you can plug and play at the end of games, or even in situations throughout the game where it's starting to get away from you, I think he creates a floor that I believe Chris Paul has been maybe not not appreciated for enough throughout his career because he is able to read the the tempo of a game. He's able to be kind of a general on the floor. And I think that it is so important for the Warriors, and even Draymond, who has some aspect of that to his game, still has those kind of moments where you wonder what the hell he was thinking with the basketball. I feel confident when Chris Paul is on the floor that even if you're giving up a little bit of shooting, you might not have the the one-on-one or pick-and-roll score that he used to be earlier in his career. You have someone that is going to make sure that the possession generally is going to produce a good shot or is going to produce an open look for someone. And that is a feeling that I have not always had with the Warriors, even uh, you know when they're playing good basketball and when Steph has it going. So to have someone that can initiate the offense and can also open things up for Steph, I think is extremely important because Curry's allowed to hunt a little bit more as the two alongside Chris Paul. And I think there might be more games where we see Steph in the 20 to 25 shot range because he doesn't have to worry about taking care of the ball. And that allows him to be able to to maybe make up for some of the the fact that the Warriors don't have uh, the the second and and third level scorers. I thought it was interesting last night. You had Chris Paul in the post game press conference in Sacramento, saying that Clay Thompson and Steph Curry make the game easier for him. I think it works both ways. I, totally. I think he also makes the game easier for for both of them. Assuming in Clay's case that he's he's able to stay patient enough himself. All right, one hour in the books, 888-957-9570. John Dickinson and Evan Giddings. Phone calls, text messages. Are you more optimistic about the positive things you've seen to this point or pessimistic regarding some of the potential problem spots for this Warriors team? They're one and one. Big win last night in Sacramento. Dropped a close one to the Suns. On to Houston tomorrow. We're getting into all of it. From now until noon, right here, Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.